Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Boom, boom, boom. His PR used to ring me up and she said, I've just seen George. He goes, How's Lee's? How's Lee's? How's Lee's? Love him. Just do you like the way we made up the words that we didn't know? We just like made them up. Oh, close the door. Was it a definite favourite? Like, oh, now you sound like you're going to Bollywood. (laughs) Where was Elton? I don't know. Elton wasn't coming in yet. (laughs) But it's all right. You improvised. We were all right. Yeah, I was Elton. You, was you Elton. were George. I was George. Love him. Did you so think- we both watched Outed on Channel 4 this week, which is about the tabloid frenzy about George being caught with his trousers down in a, a loo not far from his house. And one of the tabloid journalists said in the programme, why would he need to go to a public loo when he just left his house? Maybe he's incontinent, like me and Gracie. Oh, Maybe he's sake. incontinent. So I think it was a tenor lady situation. So what, what did you think? Well... I thought it was very brave of him. Like, the moment it happened and he was in his house, and I wanted to see in his house, actually. I wanted to see in his house. He didn't just hide. He went out to dinner. No, I loved that, and I loved the video, Let's Go Outside. I loved the great big two-fingered view. I loved it because, actually, we don't own these people. What is it that, you know, this, this idea that someone's a celebrity or something... And we take ownership of them and we've got the right to judge them and we've got the right to talk about their private lives. We don't have that right. I think I think it's horrendous. And I'll be honest, I was quite shocked looking back on it. And obviously I was there at the time. I'm not that not that, that much of a fetus. You weren't in Los Angeles. Or unfortunately not. But I do remember the headlines and and but looking sort of at it now, 
I was so shocked at the 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 language used and and how it was so persecuting and you know shameless and that and it completely dehumanized him and and put him down and it completely dehumanized the whole thing around the AIDS situation dehumanized gay people I thought it was absolutely horrific absolutely awful. no and I I had so many friends who died of AIDS and I one in particular was Oscar and he worked for a film magazine and he was so handsome and he died of AIDS he lived with my friend in a lovely flat on Chapel Market in Islington yeah. and unless you were there and you had friends who were suffering from AIDS you didn't really know what they were going through and I think what was interesting about the documentary is said that so many I think it was Holly Johnson I love Holly Johnson because I love anyone with a Liverpudlian accent I just <laughs> love Holly Johnson he said that all gay people were looking after other gay yeah, people yeah. and helping them and watching them die and nursing them and it was so, it just showed how loving they were and yeah. how they looked after each other yeah. and helped each other out. And it must have been so terrifying. And know. Freddie Mercury died like a day before George was outed. Yeah. Yeah. And I just find it so sad that... Mamma mia, mamma mia! <laughs> oh, no, please, not don't try the Freddie thing. No, 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 no. I just find it so sad that, like... What I found was difficult as well. I found it really uncomfortable to watch. And this business of, you know, he was, everyone loved him. Everybody wanted George Michael. But at the end of the day, let's face it, he's not going to marry you, is he? He's not going to marry me. No, no. Very good point, Nicola, because one of the talking heads said the reason he didn't want to come out as gay was, A, because it was his 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 own business. He didn't want to upset his mum. There was all this stigma about AIDS, and he said that the fans screaming at George Michael were young girls, and they wanted to touch him. Rubbish. But because he had, he was gay, they would suddenly think he's not going to sell records because his fans don't want to touch him. And I will say, I'm the biggest stan yeah. that there is. My whole life has been lived through these idols, yeah. So David Jones, David Cassidy. Alias Smith and Jones, Paul Newman, Prince, Michael Jackson, George Michael. As a record buyer and as a fan, I knew deep down they weren't going to have sex with me and yeah. I was never going to touch them. I did try to touch Prince. I think I did actually. No, and but I loved them. I loved them so much. I did not care oh. what their sexuality was i not. it made no difference to me me listening to princes if i was your girlfriend he explored this feminine side of himself beautiful lyrics incredible if i was your girlfriend you yeah, know beautiful would you let me undress you would you, you know the lyrics are just amazing yeah but i Knew in reality he wasn't going to marry me and 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 come and live with me. I didn't care what his sexuality was. And I didn't care, and I think I wanted George to know that whatever his sexuality was, we still loved him. Absolutely, and I think I we think didn't care. Really and also, don't life. you think, as well as them having money and everything, which is their reward for being so amazing, 
we should give them the benefit of the doubt every time because those songs, we get married to them. I buried my sister-in-law to Adele. My first dance at my wedding was Stevie Wonder. They are there for us at the biggest moments of our lives, aren't they? Absolutely. And that's what matters about You know, Morton Harkett. For God's sake, no. <laughs> I mean, no, no, don't no, give no, up. No, no, We've already butchered George Mike. No. I want to have paparazzi chasing me. Are you listening? Yeah, I'm just taking your very expensive bag off of, off of Teddy. <laughs> I went, after I was in Celebrity Big Brother, I went for dinner at La Canza Locatelli with Louisa. That's her favourite place. And she told me that she was buying a white lotus or ferrari or lamborghini or something and as we left there were paparazzi and they actually trampled me to get to her (laughs) but it's like do you remember we? i was like roadkill do you remember we were at the pub once and some when i was at fashion shows people would yell at me liz like at the at the baftas and the oscars we're going to talk about the oscars in a minute we are Liz, and I go, yeah, and I start my little teapot pose. Teapot pose. Ready, ready for it. And they like, get out the way, get out the way. That's well, what they do. We went to the pub once and this had some people come come over. Oh, Liz, we love you. all. And Liz said, oh, this is Nick. And they just sort of went, yeah, take their back on me. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> no interest in you. <laughs> that was funny. So I have walked in your shoes. You then were the one that were being packed. Sort of. I'm fashion roadkill. You are. <laughs> I'm not even. <laughs> now, Nick and I are a little bit downcast today. We're very downcast. Because we didn't win podcast of the year last night. Not happy. And it's quite funny. You know how at the Oscars, they always have the pictures of everyone's faces. And then when yeah. they lose, they're all like, yay, clapping and yay. I was like, you bastards. <laughs> You low life, you boring bastards. Well, you try, don't you? You try and think it's a nomination. That's that's such a great honour. That's so lovely. No, it's only if you win. But actually, you do want to win at a cellular level. And I've had to, to take win. columnist of the year off my email signature. And I was thinking of all that. I stung, took the crown it? off my byline picture, but I was thinking of having something like former. Columnist of the Year or Columnist of the Year Emeritus. <laughs> well, it'd have been all right if we had had Podcast of the Year because you could have just replaced a word, couldn't you? But we don't even have that. I kept I kept texting this last night going, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? No. Have you heard anything? No. I felt like Brad Pitt. Did you? I wish you were Brad Pitt. <laughs> I wish you were Brad Pitt. I'd swap. <laughs> But it is the Oscars this weekend. It is. I love the dresses. I love seeing what they're going to wear. But I'm not there this weekend. You see, you see how I've gone down in the world? But I it, used to go to these things. But it is going to be cold and miserable and you won't want to freeze. <laughs> but I'm going to take you all the way back. Da, 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 to when I was a Everyone, fetus. 20 years. Are you paying attention? To 2003. And the headline... My, you're going to be so jealous here. I am. My Oscars night with Elton, Brad, Scarlett and Hollywood's aristocracy. 
where you can keep and Patrick Swayze. Oh, oh. Patrick Swayze had to get a restraining order. It <laughs> would have been fun to been there. I tell you that for nothing. Poor Patrick. And I said this to Nick earlier, and she laughed. And I'm going to say it again now. 2003, 20 years ago, I still had my signature style. It was inimitable. <laughs> I had my signature style 20 years ago. It was inimitable. Inimitable. In, 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 she can't even say it. Now, you have to bear in mind this inimitable bit, bit of copy. <laughs> you can't even say it This was the days before computers and the internet and mobile phones. Well, I didn't have one anyway. I had to leave Elton John and go out and stand in a car park and I had to talk down the phone to a copy taker giving her my copy. So you just dictated? I dictated it. And every now and then, the woman at the end, the copy takers, wonderful women, they'd say to me, Liz, are you sure you want to say that? (laughs) (laughs) So my night at the Oscars, a girl can die happy. Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston are here, and Jude Law. (gasps) I love him too. I think he's a bit difficult. don't care, I take difficult. It's just a champagne glass's length away from me. The men are all drooling over the glorious Hilton sisters, Paris and Nikki, but I find my own object of desire. I bump into James Vanderbeek, who plays Dawson in Dawson's Creek. I don't know him. Do you not watch Dawson's Creek? I've heard of it. I'm whistling into the wind, aren't I, here, everyone? <laughs> As London woke up this morning to snow, ice and chill winds, I've left the wintry weather behind to attend the post-Oscars party hosted by Elton John and InStyle magazine at the Marquee in Los Angeles. You see, I used to be glamorous. That's very glamorous, to be fair. Along with the Vanity Fair bash held down the road at Morton's Restaurant, it's the only place to be post the Academy Awards where stars will commiserate with the losers Air kiss the winners, swap the names and addresses of their plastic surgeons and examine each other's Botox foreheads for surprise. That's quite an award-winning paragraph, that. It is, isn't it? And I actually had to say it. I couldn't write it down. I had to say it to the copy taker. No, I'm impressed with that. Tickets for the party are thousands of dollars each, all sold in aid of the Elton John's AIDS Foundation. But I've been invited to be the only journalist allowed inside. A jammy assignment, I can hear you saying, but, as I soon discover, one that is fraught with sartorial minefields. You're on the ball here, ain't you? Blimey. I arrive in Los Angeles the night before the ceremony, and I check in at the Mondrian Hotel in West Hollywood. The concierge finds the fact that I'm from London way cool. My room is a minimalist white cube, and I soon develop snow blindness. Everything's white. The curtains are white, the bed's white, the carpet's white. Everything's white. I love white. After ordering room service, did you say you wanted a side order of rice? The waiter said, who hasn't been asked for carbs since 1998. <laughs> I decide to gatecrash the party downstairs, being held by Best Actress nominee Charlize Theron, who, 
like Naomi Watts, earned her accolade by being brave enough to appear on screen with no makeup. She doesn't need it though, does she? Her party is heaving. I push my way to the sky bar, which isn't as hard as it sounds as the guests are all a size zero, and I'm struck by how old-fashioned all the women seem. They're all wearing foundation, blusher, flossed eyeshadow, big hair, tiny noses, and can be summed up in two words, 80s Dallas. At about 9.30pm, just when the party seems to be hotting up, everyone decides to go home. Los Angelinos, it seems, take the Oscars oh so seriously. But some of us head for the whiskey bar in a nearby hotel, where I spot Jude Law and a brown-haired Sienna Miller enjoying a nightcap. As Sunday dawns, I decide to put myself through a pre-ceremony preening. All the swanky hotels are full of beauty therapists, stylists and hairdressers who are busy transforming, honing and harvesting their guests. I pay a visit to the hotel's eyebrow station. I have a mani and a pedi in my room and then go round to the suite of hairdressers of the stars, Nicky Clark. He's done the hair of every star from Princess Diana to Kylie. So I ask him what the most common mistake is made by female celebrities. They don't change their style when they hit 40, he says ominously. Hollywood actresses are, of course, supposed to throw themselves over the Grand Canyon at this age. Actors are merely meant to remarry. I tell Nicky Clark I want to resemble Penelope Cruz and he looks a bit doubtful. I love your optimism. I love it. (laughs) He asks me what I will be wearing. I'm wearing Diane Vaughan's Furstenberg wrap dress, which the fashion editor, who's now stealing all my work, was the only thing she got for me. And I don't do well in a wrap dress because I'm all straight up and down. And Bottega Vanessa heels from my wedding. Only when putting on the Diane Vaughan Furstenberg do I realise that it's completely see-through. I consider using tip tape to hold it in place, but opt instead for a warm vest. God. <laughs> I'm still worried that everyone will be able to see my Myla thong and figure that my best option will be able to stand with my back against the wall for the duration of the party. After watching the ceremony in my hotel room, I joined Nikki Clark in our limo to the party. The traffic jam can probably be seen in space. The 10 minute drive takes nearly an hour. Getting past security takes almost as long. I have to show my passport and my phone is confiscated. In this dress, there really is nowhere safe that I can hide it. I could have put it in my vest. You could have. I am dismayed to see that we have to negotiate our own mini red carpet flanked by paparazzi. Nikki Clark is chatting to David Furnish, so I have to walk the rest of the way on my own. I'm like bloody Billy No Mates. That wasn't very ungallant of him to abandon you. I am very worried that I would appear in next week's Heat magazine in the section called The Pictures They Don't Want You To See. They do say any publicity is good publicity. In the party? (laughs) The scent of flowers is overwhelming. I spot Scarlett Johansson, who, after keeping a rumoured 60s-iners dangling, plumped for Alberta Ferretti. She's still so young that here in America she has to wait another two years for a glass of champagne. Uh, uh, uh. That's that's not something you normally say at a dinner party, is it? (laughs) 
Milosjovic and current Vogue cover star Natalia Vodianova. Christensen looks the most amazing in purple. I bump into a lifelong idol, dirty dancing star Patrick Swayze. I love him. He also, do you know what he had to do entering the party? That sort of shimmy thing with a melon. He had to show his passport. I'm like, it's Patrick Swayze! It's Patrick Swayze! Yes. Yes, that's just stupid. Having met Patrick Swayze, my life now seems complete. I also meet Donald Trump. Not quite the same, is it? Patrick Swayze, Donald Trump. <laughs> well. Also, in amongst the green swathes of the marquee, I meet my new best friend and fellow client of a dentist in Harley Street, Martine McCutcheon. I love her. I just love she her. She told me she was wearing Vera Wang and that she hadn't been able to find anyone to do her hair and it had been a nightmare. I love her. She was with the British count contingent that included her boyfriend and the shoe designer, Patrick Cox. I'm about to go and fetch my goodie bag upon leaving the party. The limos are still arriving and all the Oscars winners are here. But they're all getting the same treatment as I did, having to show their ID and have their hands stamped. They actually stamped Patrick Swayze's hand. I'm like, it's Patrick Swayze! Yeah, that's weird. Everyone's waiting for Charlize Theron, the real star of the night, who, even in the cutthroat world of Hollywood, everyone agrees did well to win Best Actress. What was that for? It's when she played an ugly person who murders people. An ugly person? Yeah. She, she, it's impossible for her to play No, she did look person. ugly. I saw her in the sky bar. Well, they must have used a lot of prosthetics then, because she's amazing. But whenever I used to go to Los Angeles, Los, Los Angeles, I used to stay at the Mondrian in the white room that gave me snow blindness. And I interviewed Rennie Selwiger there for the first Bridget film. And Rennie Selwiger introduced me to flat organic rainwater. She said, you have to drink rainwater. You can't drink water that's out of a bottle. You have to drink rainwater. So I just go and stand in the garden with my mouth open Snow, rain. Flat, organic rainwater. From the sky. Oh, FFS. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. Isn't it? It's ridiculous. It's like these people have gone mad. But everyone in Los Angeles is so beautiful and so thin. And once I stayed at the Standard Hotel, I'm going to paraphrase Helen Fielding here, when I interviewed Helen Mirren and there was an earthquake. So I stayed at the Standard. And when I got there, I said to them, do you think I need to go and stay at the Substandard? <laughs> that was Helen's joke. I like that. What's next? Married at Married first, first sight! What do you mean, what's next? I've been waiting Married for this Married at first bit. sight, Australia! Praise be, thank God, it is back. I have waited. So you haven't been watching Love Island because they clash a bit, don't they? No, I haven't watched Love Island this year. I don't know why. I just never sort of started watching this year. But I have been waiting with bated breath because I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Australian one is the best one. It's the best one. I'm sorry, UK. 
Last one was better than usual, but the Australian one does it for me. I bloody love it. But I've been fast forwarding it to the to the wedding pictures to see if Nigel's there. We knew. Where's you'd be Nigel? Doing that. There is no Where, Nigel. I'm coming. I am. I, if the PR for Australia ever gets back to me, I'm coming. She's a coming. No, no, no. The quality Nigel. Where's no Nigel? In fact, actually, the photographer didn't get any airtime at all this, no. this year. See, when Nigel was on it, there was quality airtime for Nigel. Because everyone fancied Nigel more than the grooms, and all the brides did as well. well he was so manly, wasn't he? He's so, so burly. Uh, he was burly. Burly. Very authoritative. But what I like about Australia is, and there's been so much talk about immigration this week, hasn't there, with Gary Lineker. You know I fancy Gary Lineker. Yeah. And he's been told off for saying that he thinks we're like Nazi Germany, not letting refugees in. The wonderful thing about Australia is it's, Every nation under the sun represented, isn't it? Greeks, Indians, every nation under the sun. They all say they're Australian and they've made Australia what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we've got a good representation. If there wasn't immigration, I wouldn't have had a husband. No Englishman wanted to marry me, did they? No, but then you didn't want this one. No, but at least, you know... At least you've got a husband. I've never even managed that. I'm going <laughs> to die a, a lonely, old, single, wizened, cat-owning... Singing George Michael. Boris Parent. I tell you what I did notice with this one, it irritated me. I, I love Dan and Sandy. Who are they? Sandy's the um, Indian girl, and Dan's the very nice man that's married her. I really like them. They're my favourites so far. But I did notice, you know, like in the bits where they're chatting with the experts and stuff, and she was one of one of the people that was saying this, and there was someone else who I can't remember, but they were talking about their hang-ups and their issues and how they wanted a partner that would help them get over it and want them, you know, be patient with them and blah, blah. And I'm thinking, do you know what? That's a lot to ask. You're going in, you're marrying a stranger, and you want them to fix you. And... Do you want me to sing Coldplay? No, that wasn't... No, 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 no. You can read this week's diary in full in Man on Sunday's You magazine. So, what's been going on with you this week? Well, it's another sort of... Troubled column, really. And I have to point out here, although I can do the the column with Nick, think of Tony Hancock. You you probably never heard of. You'd never heard of a full armful, had you? No. Who gets through their life, 50, 60 years, whatever she is, off. without knowing about Fuck a full armful? Right off. Who gets through life without knowing about a full armful? Where have you been? I've had a full armful. That's about it. Where have you been? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Tony Hancock is black I and white. I don't understand me. people just not being able to use the internet to educate themselves. Well, I don't sit there of an evening and think, <laughs> Tony oh, Hancock. <laughs> Tony Hancock's just popped into my head. I'm going to Google him and see what he's done and who he Jeff, is. He's Tony Hancock? No. The reason I'm talking about Tony Hancock. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, why are we talking about Tony? <laughs> why? Why? It's because he was so funny 
but he was so depressed. And it's a very, very tragic. Um, he was just such a brilliant comedian. He was first of all on the radio, then he was on the BBC, and he did a sketch about giving blood, and he was like, what, that's a whole armful. But you can be funny... And be very depressed at the same time. Oh God, yeah. Look at Robin Williams. Well, look at me. Look at look at Robin Williams. No. <laughs> <laughs> look at Robin no. Williams. no. 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 It's a very depressed column, but I'm still able to use humour to get me through the day. Yeah, and I think it's a shame. Actually, do you understand the dilemma? No, I so do. So he's a very depressed, combative old man in a trilby in an overcoat, yeah. going in to give blood, and he doesn't want to do oh, it. And he's like, "Oh my, oh god, I, I'm not, I'm not giving you. It's a whole armful. Yeah. How have you not it's the most famous sketch in British culture? I think I probably have actively avoided it. If, I, if it came on, I think I'd avoid it." But I do get your point because I've, I mean, when I've been depressed and, and people have said to me, oh, you're not depressed, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, no, that's what you see. That's not what I feel. And that's quite irritating. No, and also doing the podcast is like recording Hancock's Half Hour, isn't it? Or Faulty Towers. Frasier. Let's go back to Frasier. Isn't it? Yeah, it's Frasier. He's quite an unhappy man, isn't he, Frasier? Yeah. He's living with his dad. He's got an awful ex-wife. He's got a son he never sees. He can't get a woman. His radio show's axed. Yeah, yeah. He's not that happy, is he? And actually, I think, you know, what people don't... I mean, Liz and I have sort of come down and sat down to do the podcast, and we've both been quite down. We've both had depressed or I've been more down than you have. I've had my moments. uh, Or, you know, I've not been well, or, you know, sort of like my cat died, or something's happened with Liz. But you switch on, don't you? And you go into podcast mode. So Drunk. Yeah, bit drunk, bit crazy, bit argumentative. You know, you go into that sort of mode and you're doing you you're doing your job, but you're it is also just that sort of space where we do have a laugh and where we do sort of talk about these things. It doesn't mean it doesn't negate everything else going on no. in your life. And I think people yeah. misconstrue that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And they can see, you know, going back to George Michael, after he was arrested, a few days later, he went on stage and did a Freddie Mercury tribute. And actually... And people said, how did he go on stage after such trauma? Yeah, yeah, awful, awful. And his boyfriend had, you know, was ill, wasn't he? And there was so much going on. And yeah, incredible, incredible. But the thing is, is that's... We uh, are the champions, my friend. That's a different song. That's a different song. Different song. <laughs> right, I have no idea where we were. Right, so this week's column is called In Which I Feel I Can't Go On. Oh, dear God. What's that song? What song? I'm not giving you another excuse to sing. There is no song. Anyway, this column, in the spirit of Tony Hancock. Oh, God help me. Oh. Now that I'm in the mental health system on its at-risk radar, the NHS keeps phoning me. I call them back. I never answer the phone if the number is withheld or I don't recognise it, I say. I'm coming to you to make me less anxious, not more, and I ask for it to be put on my records that I'm deaf. Consequently, I don't really do phone calls. It's better to text or email. Thank you. 
I can't say how many times have we had to have this conversation. Can you email her or text her? Can you? She's what dead. is this thing with phone calls? Know. You know, it's not 1950, is it? I hate talking on the phone. Just drop me a line. And so on Monday, having received an email, I set off for my first face-to-face with the cognitive behavioural therapist. Gracie was riding shotgun. I tell the receptionist she is my emotional support dog. By some miracle, she allows her to accompany me, although she makes it clear that next time she will need some sort of tabard. <laughs> we'll get one of them little yellow and put it on like with a, sh- a sharpie. <laughs> you should have seen Grace's face when she was told she had to wear a tabard. ESD. <laughs> Emotional support dog. Anyway, the therapist is very kind and she asks me lots of questions. How much do I drink? Have I ever taken drugs? Well, no, I haven't, unless you believe the troll on Mum's net who said she saw me snorting cocaine. I'm not going to let that go, am I? Never going to let that go. I tell the therapist I go almost blind with stress. How often does that happen, she says? Almost every day. I might get an email with bad news. Or someone posts something untrue on Twitter, I tell her. On Thursday afternoon, it was a particularly bad day when I had a meltdown. I'd just been asked to travel to Wales the next day to do a story for the Daily Mail, returning after lunch on Monday. It would have been a huge fee and a very high profile, possibly award-winning story. Probably, not possibly. I'd have killed to have done it but I had to turn it down for a number of reasons which I can't go into here. The assignment being last minute was not one of the reasons, given that I once went to Glastonbury the very same afternoon I was asked to go with no ticket and not even being in possession of a tent. Do you remember that? I said, Nick, can you buy me a tent? I was sent out on tent tent hunt, wasn't I? And everybody had bought all the tents. This time... Asked to go to Wales. Storm Otto meant the bridge was closed and there were no trains. I summoned Nick to my kitchen. I was hysterical. I'm not lazy like some people. Yes. (laughs) Yes. She did. I want to go. I need the money. It's right up my street. They'll never ask me again. My self-doubt, self-loathing, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, surfaced and I catastrophized. I employ someone full-time, you, precisely to enable me to ditch everything at the drop of a hat. And me turning down an assignment kept me awake for two nights. Any other writer, high-profile, successful, would have just said, oh, sod that, I'm going out for lunch. Not me. I worried all weekend about it. I worried about who had been sent in my place. Would they do a better job? She did. There was many, many texts into the late of the night. Many texts. What did I say? Whoever was doing it wouldn't do it as well as you. You wanted to go. I wanted to meet Charlotte Church. You wanted to go. Yeah, you could have been having the buffet. I wanted to go in the vagina room. There was a buffet. There was a feast. There was was a a cinema night and I couldn't do it. It I I was so upset. Not happy. Anyway, I tell this to my therapist and she said there's no quick fix. I'm to join an online six-week CBT course before she can recommend another session in person. I'm near tears. I tell her I cannot go on like this. I've been saying that since 2003. Yeah, we actually found a column, didn't we, where you said it. (laughs) 
I haven't been able to move on from the cataclysmic events of 2007-2008, despite all the copious self-help books I've read, which all tell me I can be anything I want to be. I can't. I admit my fear of life has led to so many of my financial difficulties. I buy people's things, I don't read contracts, I don't open envelopes, but I think I'm facing up to reality now and learning to stand up for myself. Last week, I did a test with the lovely Lynn from Octopus Energy, rather than just ignoring her. For 24 hours, I had no heating, no heated towel rail, no dishwasher, one laundry cycle, because Gracie did a wee, no lights, I used a diptyque candle. Well, no change there then. No, I don't put lights on. No. And I had a log fire. And still, in a one-up, one-down cottage, it cost me £25 in one day. £25! Something going very wrong, isn't there, with the, with the, the prices? How can people possibly survive? I felt really sick about this, and I self-medicated with four series of Virgin River on Netflix. But at least now I know where I stand. On the way home from the clinic, I stopped off in Little. I haven't been inside a little for years. Do you know I was expecting paparazzi like George Michael going into a public loo? Same thing. Them seeing me going into a little. Same thing. It's worth thousands, isn't it? I've got to be honest. When you texted me and said about little, I literally nearly dropped through the floorboards. You could have come and taken the picture and sold it. I could, do you know what? I wish I wish I had have. I could have YouTubed it, TikToked. Anyway, I went into little and I saw a bottle of Cremant. Was eight ninety nine. Was actually seven ninety nine now. Seven ninety nine now. It cheered me up. She no went end. back. It cheered me up. No end. It's funny how you think you're in the depths of despair, and you go in little. There's a bottle of Cremant for seven ninety nine. And it's you think, nice. Great. It's really nice though. It's Cremant. It? Yeah, it's really it's nice. Cremant. Don't drink prosecco, anyone. Don't drink prosecco. It's like it's just like it's not even made in bottles. Don't drink prosecco. <laughs> I know. That no matter how much therapy I have, no matter how many citalopram I take, the only thing that is going to help me is some financial stability, isn't it, Nick? You know that. No, it's true. It's true. And I think that's the thing, you know, yes, your hormones can be out, you know, you, you can be chemicals unbalanced and things, antidepressants will help. But your organs. Your, my organs. Your organs. I've had half of them Your out. organs are terrible. Yeah, I mean, how many have I got left? But sometimes it's situational. Sometimes it's because your life is genuinely difficult. I So I end this column by saying I need a dose of good luck. Something, anything needs to go my way. And that was written before we lost the podcast award. We didn't even come second. I know, it's really shit, isn't it? <laughs> but we had loads of like listeners saying we should win. So we're doing it we're doing it for for, for our podcasters. We're doing it for them. Not for not for well, the world. Here's some letters then. Every week lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. 
Right. We have got Nina from West London. Now, poor Nina wrote in and got lost lost in all my emails when you had um, a column about mirrors and your hairdressers and not wanting to look in the mirror. And she thought it was ignored us. But I found her, I answered her, and I promised her I'd read out a, a letter to today. Come on, Nina. So, come on, Nina. So, she said, hi, I'd be thrilled if Liz could reply to this on her podcast. I love her podcast and hearing your views and news too. I heard about the mirrors in the last podcast and it reminded me of something. During COVID, I was introduced to Zoom. What I was thrilled about was when I saw myself on Zoom, all my lines and wrinkles literally disappeared. I had makeup on and the light on and it was fantastic. Did either of you have a similar experience? No, I don't think Nick did. No, I look really, 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 really awful on Zoom. I don't think I've got to grips with filters. I think I need a good filter. Read the rest of her letter. So she's, <laughs> I was waiting for you to answer the question. Um, she said, regarding not looking in mirrors at the hairdressers, I don't like it, but not for the same reasons you and Liz had. My reason is because I'm embarrassed that if I'm looking in the mirror and the hairdresser catches my eye. Shall I tell you what happened after I wrote that column about mirrors? Go on. There was a school that covered all the mirrors in the girls' loo with affirmative messages. You are beautiful. You don't need makeup. And the teachers got in trouble and they had to take them down. But if I... I had to use my school loo and I had to slide along and not look up at the mirror. Don't look up, don't look up, slide along, don't look up. I agree with getting rid of mirrors in schools. I absolutely agree with it. Why did teachers get in trouble? They put affirmative, life-affirming messages instead of mirrors. It's like Megan's Bananas again. You know, the, the affirmation. No, it was, a good, it was a good move. Get rid of mirrors in schools. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I mean, I remember when I was at school... And we'd all be queuing up. And it was a time, it was a time of the white eyeliner. It was a time where you put the white liner on the inside to make your eyes look bigger. I remember it well. So there'd be a line of girls all with this white eyeliner who actually looked horrific when you finished. It was really, really awful. Really awful. But that's what happened at air school mirrors. We all lined up. But I think we should get rid of mirrors in schools. Do you want to know what Carly says? And what are those bars for at the side of gyms? Bars? What are they for? Does anyone know what those wooden bars for at the, end of the side of gyms? What are they for? What do you do with them? You know, monkey. You climb them. No. You climb them. You climb up them. I climbed up oh, them. I've never climbed I couldn't up climb up, up the rope, though. Me trying to get up the rope was like a whole new flipping, like, oh, my God. It was... And we've got a birthday request. We've got a birthday request. We've got Carly now. Carly. Carly. Carly's a fan. And she saves the podcast for for Sunday nights and an oily bath. And apparently Carly's very like Liz. She, oh, dear. <laughs> she's chosen a career over men, who probably would cheat anyway, feral children, which she didn't want, after a string of disastrous relationships and dating, which, like Liz, required three days of prep and preening prior to a crappy dinner with an unsuitable man. She's also a don't-touch-the-light-switch, don't-sit-on-the-sofa-and-use-a-bloody-coaster. Person. Carly, you are my twin. No overhead lights. Who puts overhead lights on? People that want to see where they're going, for Christ's sake. Anyway, she's got a request. It is Denise's, her mum's birthday on the 16th, and she wants a shout-out to her mum for happy birthday because she's taken her to Paris for the weekend. <gasps> is she going to the Plaza Athena? No. Oh, no, she's not going to the Plaza no. Athena. She said she nearly booked it, but she was being a bit protective about her credit card. So, happy 70th birthday, Denise. Happy 70th birthday, Denise. Woo! 
Celebration time. Come on. Let's celebrate now. Come on, Denise. Did she actually want us to say 70th? Is Denise going to be happy with that? It's too late now. It's too late now, isn't it? Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.